Take your Bible and turn to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. By the way, it's in the Old Testament for y'all that don't know where it's in. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. You've heard over and over again that Jesus Christ is the prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. He's all those things. He's a lot more. But just to kind of give you an idea, look here in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18, where a prophecy is made by Moses in the Old Testament about a prophet that will come. And if you look there in verse 15, it says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee. So he's going to be one of them from the midst of them. Of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. They had asked Moses a question at one time. Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? And he says, there's going to be one that's coming that is a ruler and a judge. He's going to come. But it's a prophecy, and it's a good prophecy, and it tells us about Jesus Christ going to come. And yet in the New Testament, it refers back to this verse when it's talking about Jesus Christ. So take your Bible and turn all the way over there now to the book of Acts in chapter 7. Acts and chapter 7. Always, always, always study the Bible. Don't allow just what you hear on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night be the limit of your Bible study. You should always be studying God's Word. And uh, if you read it enough, you don't have to worry about trying to memorize Scripture. It'll just come to you naturally. Uh, you know, you take John 3.16. That's a big verse. But you know, if you just hear it enough, you'll memorize that verse. But it's a mighty good verse. But here in the book of Acts in chapter 7, I want you to look there in verse 32 where he says that this is a sermon that Stephen's is preaching. And he's rehearsing some things into the ears of the uh, rejectors of Jesus Christ. And you would think by the time he finished this sermon, boy, everybody would just be right there and believe every word. And uh, probably want to put him on a pedestal and fall down and worship him. Well, that ain't exactly how it happened. Verse 32 says, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, and I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. So in verse 34, I underlined, I have seen. And then in the next part of that verse, I have heard their groanings and am come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send. So I have seen, I've heard, and I will send thee into Egypt. So God in heaven had heard the cries of his people and was going to send a, a messenger. Somebody to speak for him. A go-between, to intercede, 
to do something for the people in place of God. So you see a, a intercessor, an in-betweener, a, a mediator is um, someone who kind of represents both sides and can help you. But anyway, he makes a statement here. In verse 35, then Moses, whom they refused, saying, who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hands of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. Now this is a quote from the Old Testament. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai. Hmm. That's interesting. Before Abraham was... I am. You see, Jesus goes back a long way, and there were what we call uh, theophanies, a pre-manifestation of Christ before he came to the earth. So he had revealed himself. In many cases, you'll find when it talks about the angel of the Lord, it's a reference to Jesus Christ himself. But anyway, he says in verse 39, To whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. And then he kind of hits them right between the eyes. He says, you're the same way. In verse 51, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. <laughs> now, he did not have a course on how to win friends and influence people. I mean, you stop and think about that. I mean, a preacher shouldn't make people upset. You don't think I would do a thing like that. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers. So he was prophesied to come, and he came. But did Jesus... Um, did he ever prophesy? You can read many of the prophecies of Jesus Christ. He was the fulfillment of many prophecies. Revelation chapter 19 says he is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, he is the object of prophecy. It's all about Christ. And so the more you study about Christ, the more you have to study about prophecy. And it talks about before he came and when he came and what he said and see, a prophet was one who did two things mainly. Uh, they foretell and foretell. To foretell means in advance, to tell what's going to take place before it happens. And so Jesus Christ was a prophet. And he also to tell forth. So even when he was here, he would tell forth that which had been prophesied and verify much of the scripture, and he put his stamp of approval upon the teaching of Adam and Eve, upon the flood, upon Jonah, all those things that people might question, he validates. So he was a prophet in the sense that he would tell forth. 
And then when he was here, he would teach forth the word of God. So it's a foretell and tell forth. You and I, when the Bible talks about the New Testament, about being prophets, we mainly are telling forth. We're telling forth and giving forth to others that which God has revealed in his word. Doesn't mean we are prophets, we got a special revelation from God. No. So Jesus Christ, when he came, he was, he was a prophet. And the Bible says that he is a priest. Now, a lot of times we don't understand, you know, the purpose of, of what a priest does. We don't live in those days when they had the temple and the sacrifices and, you know, a high priest. But understand that Jesus Christ was not just a prophet, but he was also, and this is not one of my points that I was going to bring out, but he was a savior. He is the savior of the world. Uh, look there in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And you'll notice that it makes the statement in verse 42. This is John chapter 4, verse 42, page 1120 in your Bible. And it makes the statement, verse 42, And he said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, that doesn't mean the world is saved, but he's the only Savior of the world. He could save the world if the world would believe. So he that believeth, we saved, and those that do not believe will not be saved. So Jesus Christ is a prophet, but in the midst of all of this, he is the Savior. And it was prophesied that he would come and die and make a payment for all of our sins. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans, the book of Romans and chapter 8. Romans and chapter 8. See, what's good now is is knowing that we have ourselves a high priest, someone that intervenes for us, intercedes for us. A high priest was someone who interceded for the people. And so they were a, a go-between God and the people. And so the high priest would offer a sacrifice for himself and for the sins of the people once a year as he went into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled the blood upon the mercy seat. So, Jesus Christ is called a priest, but he's a priest not after the order of Aaron, but of Melchizedek, uh, who has an endless life, and Jesus Christ is endless, and the ministry that he has is because uh, there is no end to him. Somebody else doesn't have to take over after him. So, here in the book of Romans in chapter 8, look there in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Someone who goes on our behalf and represents us. Uh, it's like this. I've had people that I've, uh, you know, known, and then sometime I'll have somebody with me, and I will introduce that person to the other person. When I uh, first met Greg Steer down here, I think Peter and James was with me, and uh, they went over there with me, and I introduced them to Greg and Greg to them. Uh, you're just, uh, you know, representing somebody to somebody, and 
Sometimes when you want to get a job and you know somebody works there, you will say, hey, put in a good word for me. Or would you speak to them for me? Or do you ever ask anybody, hey, pray for me? Well, that's interceding. That means I, I want you to go to the Father on my behalf. I want you to put in a good word for me. I want you to pray for me. So we do that all the time. Well, you see, Jesus Christ was the perfect high priest because he was perfect God, so he could represent God. And uh, he was a perfect man, so he could represent man. Uh, isn't it nice knowing that you've got somebody that's perfect and never lost a case representing you? He's better than Perry Mason. He really is. Uh, he, he never loses. And so he represents you and intercedes for you. Because we have infirmities. We don't always know what to do. We don't always know the will of God. We don't always know what we should or should not do in every case because we just, we're human. But anyway, it makes intercession, and look in the last part of verse 27 where it says, maketh intercession for the saints, to intercede for the saints. So evidently, we need somebody still to intercede for us, even though we're saved. We need somebody to still go to the Father on our behalf. So God is um, very good for us. Look there in verse 34. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession. So you've got the Holy Spirit that lives within you, that intercedes for you here. And I've got Christ on the throne there who intercedes for me there. So I've got an intercessor here, and I've got one there. I, I should be pretty well taken care of. And to help my infirmities, my weaknesses, when I need help. You and I, we have no clue how fortunate we are that we have a God that is watching over us in our life. The reason we have lived as long as we have, or even as well as we have, is because there's somebody who has been watching over us. And little by little, even though we don't always see it, God is working in our life. And I made a statement years ago, that if you put everything in God's hands, it won't be long before you see God's hand in everything that you do. And some people can't see God doing anything for them. Uh, maybe because they are trying to control everything and do it all themselves. Learn just to rest in the Lord and just, just trust the Lord. And you'd be surprised how God will take care of everything. Uh, that, that's, that's what he does, and he does a pretty good job of it. Uh, take your Bible and turn there to the book of Hebrews in chapter 4. Hebrews and chapter 4. So you and I are supposed to study the Word of God. And whatever the Word of God says, we're supposed to yield to it. To learn, obey. And it makes a statement in verse 12 that the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it says it's quick, it's alive, it's powerful. So whatever the Word of God is, it can make you. And um, when the Bible talks about, you know, the word dudamos, it's... Uh, where do we get uh, the word dynamite? The gospel is dynamite. Dynamite. And then when you go to uh, Corinthians in chapter uh, 13, I believe, or chapter 14, where it talks about 
uh, the word. Uh, just, just look at this. Look over there. I want you to see this. Uh, look there in First uh, Corinthians and chapter 14. And look in verse 11. You'll notice in verse 11, this is on page 1224, where it says, Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. The word meaning comes from the same word that the power of God. Because see, words have meaning. Words are powerful. Words can do an awful lot. And so the meaning of the word and the giving of the gospel if it's clear and a person can understand the meaning of the gospel, it has the power of God to save. And so in your own life, when you study the word of God and you understand the meaning of the word, it becomes power in your life. Uh, like we've said before, when he says uh, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Well, also the word of God tells us that to those who do not believe the gospel, it's to them, it's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So that the word of God and the gospel itself is the power that motivates the believer to do what he does. You take away the power or the understanding, the meaning of the word of God, and you have no power to do what you ought to do. Why do you think it is when you take teenagers to camp and you give them nothing but the word of God? It changes their lives. But if they get away from the word of God, then their lives go back the way it was. So you have to continually keep reading and studying and feeding upon the word of God and it becomes the power to maintain the Christian walk. You get away from church. You stop reading your Bible. You don't have devotions. You don't read. You don't do any of that. Kind of, and you cannot and you will not stay strong in the Lord. And then you'll wonder why the Lord's just not real to me. Well, la-dee-da. Why should he be? Because the word isn't real to you. So you to understand the meaning. And that's why you study and if you don't study and don't understand the meaning, it's just like this. Is the gospel powerful? Yes. But aren't there a lot of people who read the Bible but don't understand the gospel? Preachers that preach and don't understand the gospel. Because when you don't understand it, there's no power. No power, they don't give it. And so there's a lot of people's lives never changed. See, I do not try to change people's lives. I believe that if I teach the word and you understand it, if you ever get the meaning, it'll change you. Don't you think that's the way it ought to work? The word of God is the power that you need. So when he makes a statement here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4, for the word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and the discern of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You want to understand yourself? Study the Word of God. Because you get away from the Word of God, and the thing that swells up inside of you all the time will be pride. And then it'll be me, mine, mine, and I can see me and what I want, and it's all about me. 
But when you get into the Word and start studying the Word, it's all about the Lord. And so you can tell an awful lot because of what God's Word means. Now look down in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. So what is this high priest? Someone that goes to God on your behalf. So I need, I need wisdom. I need help. I need strength. I need grace. I need understanding. I need compassion. I need some love. I need some peace of mind. I need all of this. Whatever your need is, I have a high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. In other words, I've got someone that represents me there. I know that, I believe that, and I might as well capitalize on it. Wouldn't it be a shame for you to have a high priest, but you never used him? So you don't go to the Lord about anything. You never talk to the Lord. That's why when he says, uh, I'm asking God the Father for this in Jesus' name. Why do you say in Jesus' name? Because he's my high priest that represents and intercedes for me. So I'm praying to the Father, but through the Son, in his name, because of him. And so that's why we try to say and do everything we do for his honor, for his glory, because I want him to represent me. He's still interceding. He has a priestly ministry. You see, he was the savior of the world. He was the prophet. And now during this church age, he is the priest. He intercedes for us. Why? Because you need some help. He is to help you. When he makes a statement in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13, he is our helper. Now, if I need anything and he is my helper, do you think that I'm, between the two of us, we can't, we can't get it done? If he's my helper? If I had the powerful, most strongest man of all walking side by side with me and he can handle anybody and everybody, what am I afraid of? <gasps> There's Peter Amato. Oh, he's big. He probably works for the mafia. I mean, he just looks like, just, just look at him. Look at him. He, he's big, tall. He looks just like one of those guys. And he'll, man, he'll do you in. He'll knock you off. He'll put concrete shoes on you. But if I know the Lord and he can take care, I don't have to worry about that guy. That was a dumb illustration, wasn't it? <laughs> but look what he says now in verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, your failures, your weaknesses, your shortcomings. Uh, you don't measure up. Your, your defeat, your depression, all these things where you come up short, you need help. You need strength. And that's why it's always good to know I can go to the Lord. He intercedes for me. He will help me. And, and that's why he says in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly, to the throne of Christ. I got somebody who totally understands. And it says that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we're all going to have times of need. One of the reasons God allows us to have time of need is it forces us to go to the Lord. God wants us to walk with him, to talk to him. So we have a high priest. And that's the ministry that is going on at this present time. Uh, look there in Hebrews in chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. In Hebrews chapter 7, look in verse 25. 
Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. That means totally, completely. That's another word is called eternal security. To eternally secure you that come unto God by him, seeing he, and here's why, ever liveth, ever liveth to make intercession for them. So he ever liveth. He doesn't die and then somebody else has to be the high priest. He ever liveth to intercede. Now, because of what God's word says and what's going to take place, I know that eventually one of these days we're going to all be with the Lord. And uh, he says he's going to come and get us. And then he's going to take us to the kingdom. And the kingdom upon this earth, the kingdom has to have a king, a king. So he is the prophet and he's the priest and he's coming one day and he's going to be the king. And if he's going to be the king, is there anything in the word of God that talks about Jesus being a king? It's just mentioned in the Old Testament over and over and over again. That's why he has to be of the son of David, tribe of Judah. He's going to be the king. And when he came, of remember it says in the book of Matthew in chapter 2, in verse 2, where is he that is born king of the Jews? He was born a king. We did a cantata one time at our church called Born a King. He was born a king. But anyway, he is the king, and a king has to have a kingdom. Well, he's going to set up his kingdom upon the earth called the kingdom of heaven. And that's why when you read and study the book of Matthew, you have where he sets up and proves by his genealogy that he had the right to claim the throne of Israel. He has the right to be the king. And because of that, they never said that you don't have a right because he was of the right line. He did have a right. He had the authority. He could have been the king. He should have been the next king. But he was rejected and crucified. And so one day the, the king will come back. To this earth. Now take your Bible and look there in the book of Revelation chapter 19. Revelation and chapter 19. And notice in verse 11. You see the first time he came as a lamb to die. This time he doesn't come back as a lamb. But the scripture does tell us uh, that they were afraid because of the wrath of the lamb. I've never seen a lamb get upset. But now there's going to be the wrath of the lamb. Here he says in verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. See, he was the ruler and the judge. And he is what Moses said he was going to be from among you, from out of the midst of you. And he says he's going to make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. wonder who this is. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. I'm right behind him. I'm, there's you know, the horse right behind him. That's my, that's my horse. Three miles back is Peter Amato and James. As we're moving right along. 
And it says there in verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, which is the word of God. Now we studied over there in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 and verse 12. That with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. That means that when he sets up his kingdom, nobody gets away with anything. So if a man slaps you on one cheek, don't worry about it. Just turn the other cheek. Jesus is ruling here. If a man wants to sue you and take your coat, don't worry. Give him two coats. Compare you go one mile, go two miles. Don't worry about it. The Lord's here and he'll take care of it. See, a lot of the kingdom rules of how he's going to rule is in the book of Matthew. So many people go to the book of Matthew and they take all those things that are applied to the kingdom and apply them to now. They, they don't belong here. That's how he's going to rule. And that's why he set up his cabinet. That's why he laid down the, his constitution, the rules, how he's going to rule his kingdom. And so here he's coming back and he's going to rule with a rod of iron. And then he makes the statement in verse 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings, Lord of lords. There's nobody over him. God hath given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that word Lord, it means he confessed he is the Lord. He is Jehovah. And uh, or in the Old Testament, Yahweh. But anyway, you're talking about something that's going to take place and a kingdom going to be set upon the earth. And we're going to rule and reign with the Lord upon this earth. Uh, look there in Revelation in chapter, chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 and uh, on page 1335. And it makes a statement here in uh, verse 10. And hath made us unto our God kings and priests. We shall reign on the earth. Reign on the earth or over the earth, but we will be here and we will rule and we will reign with him. And it says here that as kings, now who knows? Uh, James may be the king of Florida. <laughs> Peter might be the king of, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> This is get this is get Peter Amato day. <laughs> uh, where it's hotter? Or no, no, oh, just, just, Alaska, Alaska, and he might put me as king of uh, Hawaii. Ha See, they, they, that person went over to Hawaii, and they said, "Is it supposed to be Hawaii or Hawaii?" They said, "It's Hawaii." They say, well, thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> Y'all don't get that. I mean, that was, that was right up there. So what about Fred Pena? Well, he didn't make it. He's going to work for James. <laughs> okay. But now take your Bible and turn there to... Um, the book of 1 Peter and chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, it talks about something that is 
the primary meaning goes to the nation of Israel. Because this is why God wanted Israel to be so different. They were to be the ones by which God would work through as a nation to show them what it would be like to other nations if God was their God. And Israel messed up. But notice what he says in verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So see, you and I, when we trust Christ as our Savior, all of us, in the sense, are like we're priests. We're interceding on the behalf of others. That's why the Scriptures tells us to pray for one another. That means you're interceding for someone else. That's why the Lord allows you the opportunity of going through various experiences so that you can be a good priest. Christ came into the world and he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. He suffered. So that he could be the perfect high priest in representing us because he knows what it's like to be human. You and I don't really sometimes sympathize with others who hurt because we haven't faced what they've had to face. So the Lord, in order to increase your ministry, allows you to experience more and more the longer you live so that you can be comforted by God so that you're able to comfort others with the comfort wherewith you were comforted. So if you're going to be a priest, don't you want to be a good one? Don't you really want to be genuine? And when you say to somebody, I feel your pain, you really can feel their pain? I know how you think or I know how you feel. You can really say that because you have gone through something like that. Now, we can't, we're not the perfect intercessors because we haven't experienced everything like everybody has. But you can always be comforting. And you can always pray and intercede. That's why praying for one another is a form of intercessory prayer to intercede for others. You are a priest. There are people who are experiencing all kinds of things, and God allows you to be a part of other people's lives. There are people who don't want to be a part of anybody's life. They just want to be a loner. Stay away from everybody. Do nothing for nobody. It's just me, and that's all. Just... But missing out on so much. Do you know it's such a blessing over the years to see people that you've seen and talked to and prayed for, and then somebody calls you and says, no, thank you so much for praying for me. You have no idea what I was going through, but I really appreciate you praying for me. Or it encourages people to just know, you know, uh, Peter Motto has been praying for me, or Rick Ryder has been praying for me, or somebody has been doing it because, But it helps people. It encourages people. It means they know you went to the Father through the Son on my behalf because I have infirmities, I have weaknesses, I have problems. And so, therefore, I want to be a good high priest. I, only, I don't want to just be a pastor. I want to be an intercessor. I want to help people. And though I may not be able to help you all individually, I can still talk to the Lord on behalf of every one of you. True? Well, can't you do the same thing? Do you pray for me? You know, when I got back, I had people say, hey, we've been praying for you. We've been praying for you. 
Did you know that there's a possibility if you hadn't have been praying for me, I might not have learned what I've learned. I might not have been a blessing like I was. And maybe I could have done a lot more. But the Lord just works things out. And there's people that are hurting right now. There's people in the hospital. There's people that's got bad knees and bad ankles and, you know, bad hearts and bad lungs and <laughs> bad blood. The bodies are falling apart the longer we live. Do you know anybody like that? Do you need prayer? That's why you say, look, and you encourage other people, uh, look, pray for me. I was, um, got up that one morning and the guy that um, uh, works with uh, Dennis Rossler up there, uh, he comes by to pick me up every morning at 8 o'clock. So we get in the car, and we're driving down the road, and he says, um, let's have prayer for today. And I says, are, are you going to pray or you want me to pray? He says, I'll pray. I said, are you going to keep your eyes open? <laughs> I mean, the guy's driving the car. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't want to bother my head. Again. <laughs> well, we were praying. <laughs> So he's driving and he just starts praying, eyes wide open. Lord, thank you for such a beautiful day. Boy, you have been so good to us. All the coolness in the air. We feel so good. We thank you for our health. And Lord, we're going to the meeting and we just pray for it. And he went on for about 10 minutes until we, right before we got there. And he said, amen. And I'm used to praying. And when I'm driving down the road, I mean, I pray to myself and I'll talk and I'll pray. Uh, but this guy kind of shook me up a little bit. The next morning, got in the car at 8 o'clock. He says, you want to pray? Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure he didn't close his eyes while I was having my eyes open. But anyway, a lot of fun. But you can intercede for other people. Did you know that your, your wife might need some prayer? Or do you just take it for granted? You know your husband might need some? You know you got kids? You got grandkids. You know, they might need some prayer. You know, the preacher might need some today. How many of y'all pray for Mike over here? You know, look at Mike. Don't he look like he needs prayer? He needs prayer. I mean, you take about Dan down here. Dan needs a lot of prayer. I used to tell people, they said, well, I'm praying for you. I said, well, I appreciate that. I need the prayer and you need to practice. Sometimes, you know, you say things and you say, well, I shouldn't have said that. But y'all take Mrs. Sizemore, sitting right here. Do you realize that she's living with Jim Sizemore? <laughs> she needs prayer. Don't you need prayer? She needs it. See there? And, uh, but everybody needs prayer. Uh, you think about um, uh, Gary Steffens' uh, wife. She's a sweet lady. But look who she's living with. She needs prayer. She needs a lot of help. But really, in sincerity, everybody needs some. When's the last time you prayed for Mr. Paulson or Mrs. Paulson? What about Lynn? What about Sandy? What about Tom back there? You know, Tom will call up here every day and says, uh, I want to pray for y'all. So we put him on the speakerphone, and so we'll listen to Tom, and he'll have prayer for us. Don't pray long, but we know Tom's praying for us. You'd be surprised how many people are hurting. And you may not even know. But God may put somebody up on you. You know sometimes when you can't sleep at night and you wake up and you can't sleep, you know what you ought to do? Just start 
picture in people's minds and start praying for that person. You got somebody that's really, you know, they're like a burr on the saddle. You know, like you got a splinter in your foot. You know, somebody that's a constant pain. You know, maybe God wants you to pray for them. Now, you can chew them out. You can bless them out. You can tell people about them. But if you really pray for them, to where they actually know and believe that you really do care, that it can, listen, it can change your life. But that's one of the things that God is allowing you on the behalf of others because you are, you're a high priest. You're a priest, as he says right here, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, or now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. Strangers means you're away from home. Pilgrims means you're going home. So in the meantime, help each other in the journey and pray for one another. Care for one another. So y'all pray for all the deacons. Pray for all their wives. Pray for their kids. Pray for the Sunday school teachers. Pray for the Awana workers. You know, you stop and think about it. There's a lot to pray for. There's a lot of people hurting. Pray for our country. Pray for the election. I mean, talk to the Lord about it. We can talk to everybody else about everything we don't like and what we like. and all that. But if, when, talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we're thankful so much for all that you've done for us. We're thankful for your word that we can read and study and get encouragement. To be exhorted, challenged, motivated. But Father, there's a lot of people here that no doubt are hurting. And we need to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to intercede on their behalf. And that, Father, because of understanding what people go through, you allow us to many times suffer and to hurt. We don't have all the answers, but having compassion is feeling their hurt within our heart. And I pray, Lord, especially for those that are of this ministry that are not doing too well. I've had various things happen to them. But we ask your blessings upon each person here, and we want the best. Blessing the service to follow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.